Positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. And you guys have heard me say that if I ever run ads on this show, it will only be with a company that I fully support because I believe their intention is to make a positive difference in the world. Well, I'm pleased to announce that day has arrived and that this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash Positive Head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash Positive Head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, we are going to get ultra spiritual because I have none other than the ultra spiritual ascended master guru lightworker himself here, J.P. Sears. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, J.P. is the man behind the wildly popular and hilarious video series, Ultra Spiritual. But what you may not know is that J.P. also has a serious side as an emotional healing coach and teacher. Super excited to have him here with me. Hello, JP. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brandon. Thank you for being weird enough to have me here. And I, I love all the credentials you gave me, like Ascended Master, Guru. I mean, all of those are, are definitely very valid credentials. I've got the certificates for them all, too. So thank you for acknowledging them all. Well, you know, I, I uh, consulted with um, Jesus Christ, Krishna, Buddha, all of them in meditation before we began, and they they validated you. So I felt like, you know, it was it was okay to go and, and throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, and it's very humble of you to tell me that you were communicating with those other ascended well, masters. <laughs> well, you know, it was you know, it's a it's a Monday morning as we record. It's you know the standard in my world. Um, <laughs> So we have about 59 minutes left to go. Um, go ahead and make fun of me for uh, the rest of the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll just stay here and listen. <laughs> well, I, that's not possible. I have an hour and a half of material written on you, Brandon, so we can't possibly squeeze it all in. Uh, okay. All right. Fine. I'll just be very predictable and ask the same opening question I always ask. Uh, you're in an elevator. Uh, the woman next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? 
Yeah. Uh, what I would, uh, what I would tell her is my passion is creativity and connecting with people and helping people live more meaningful lives. And then I, then I hope we get to the 10th floor quickly because elevator conversations are, yeah, they're like a combination of exhilarating and awkward and like a little bit creepy. Uh, right, right. Especially if you're staring at her really, really intently while you tell her. The the ultra spiritual gaze. (laughs) Standing close to her and the rest of the elevator is just empty. So tell us a little bit about your story, man. How the heck did you end up doing the things that you do? Uh, give yeah. us some background. Man, you know, I, I, I love that question. And sometimes that baffles me because I, I can't pretend to be uh, smart enough to engineer the, the unfolding of the path that I'm on. And I also, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a beautiful place where I get to and not only earn a living doing things that I love and things that fill me up, but I, I get to help people. I get to uh, grow. So, and not that I don't have my challenges, I do, but there's a lot of cool things going on. So, man, yeah, my story, I think the most important part of my story is doing my best to follow my heart rather than follow the plans of my head. I will, you know, in my early 20s, I was actually late teens doing a personal training exercise wise. And then I got into nutrition and then I got into emotional healing work, kind of like following a gluten-free breadcrumb trail of interest. So along the (laughs) way, you know, I started working with clients and started teaching classes and in any time in those beginning stages of my career, just use an adult sounding word, any time like I'd create a plan of success, like here's where I should go, here's where I want to go, and here's how I'm going to get there, it just, it worked against me. Like first right. off, the, the, call it the physical, literal execution of it, it just never panned out. And I always just felt, frustrated and just unfulfilled inside. And and I think as I went, the more I learned to let go of creating plans, not as, not as an excuse of just being passive and just indifferent to life, but just, you know, still live with ambition and inspiration and let go of the outcome, the more I started to kind of get in touch with my heart and when my heart would be excited about doing something new or going in this direction or adding something to what I'm doing, I'd do it. And it would just oddly work out way better than anything I had planned and put in just hundreds of hours of life energy into planning and executing. So, as as that story is told, thirteen years into my career, where I you know for the majority of it I'm doing emotional healing coaching with people, running a one on one client practice, teaching classes and retreats, just some great stuff. I loved it. So thirteen years into that, I decided, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to make a YouTube channel. Is a you know is a way of getting sincere life advice out there and. And also, it'll it'll maybe become a a way for me to get more clients. Like, cool. And then about a year and a half after starting my YouTube channel, where it was sincere life advice videos, 
just this weird phenomenon called my heart was just really excited about like, yeah, make a comedy video, JP. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my head was, was like, nope, here's all the, the reasons not to do that. Uh, you know, having a sense of humor uh, publicly, that would be bad for business because you're an emotional healing coach. You're supposed to be like Eckhart Tolle and you're supposed to be right. serious. Even though in my personal life. He's pretty funny, actually, though. If you think about it, like sometimes he makes me just crack up watching him sometimes laugh at himself, you know? Definitely. I'll I'll definitely give him that for sure. And I love Eckhart Tolle. Don't mean to pick on him. No, I get you. I get what you're saying. So, you know, it... My head was saying it's bad for business, but my heart was saying, yeah, this is good. And my my sense of humor, it's always been a very active part of my personal life. So it was a, a, a risk of authenticity for me to say yes to that calling of my heart. So make a comedy video. So I did. Uh, the, the first one was called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. And at the time... I just thought, oh, this is going to be a one-time video. Like, cool. And it probably won't get any more than 100 views. And it probably will be bad for business, but I want to do it. So, mm-hmm. I did that and it turned out like, wow, it was. It, it really took off. And a few weeks after I released it, like... I just woke up with the the thought one day, a very, I would call it inspired thought. And it said you can make another video, JP. It's like, oh, wow, wow, maybe I could. So, you know, once I started making the comedy videos consistently, just doors beyond my imagination started opening with opportunities that scared the hell out of me, yet they felt purposeful, and I do my best to lean towards discomfort in life. I think that's how Mm. we grow. That's how we find fulfillment. It's how we have a sense of purpose and meaning. So when when doors would open that I didn't imagine, yet they scared me and they felt purposeful, I'd say yes to them. And, uh, man, that set me off on... Uh, a path of being able to do uh, things that just amuse the hell out of me. And they, they, many others. (laughs) I I love that, man. It's, it's such a a powerful uh, truth and you're such a great living example of it. You know, oftentimes I think we, we strategize. I know I've strategized so much uh, in my life about what path I'm going to take. And I'm just being the slow learner that I am getting to the point where it's like, I let all these ideas and things come through me and then sort of release them or release the need to follow them um, so stringently. And sometimes, uh, you know, what I'm finding is they'll, they'll kind of fizzle out and die after the sort of energy of them dissipates or other times it's like doors sort of open uh, behind them. And it's like, Oh, okay. So this is what it means to sort of flow with your path and follow, you know, follow the inclinations, but with a sense of detachment. And in some cases, like I said, they'll fizzle quickly. And other times it's just leading me. It's like uh, the, the way I view it is our higher self source, whatever the heck you want to call it. It has a view of the chessboard that we don't. And uh, oftentimes what we think we should be doing is if you will just start to play your role as a co-creator with it and allow these things to sort of naturally unfold. And then like like it's happened with you, a path that you never even foresaw just opened up in a way that led to probably a lot of the other things you were trying to achieve and then some, right? Absolutely. And, and I love, I love your thought. And it reminds me of the Joseph Campbell quote that goes something like, 
let go of the life you've planned so as to have the life that's waiting for you. You know, yeah. the life that's waiting for you, that's our higher self seeing the chess, the, the chess board in ways that we can't. And I think sometimes when, you know, the old saying, the head is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. But when we right. make our head, our thoughts, our plans, the master, I think, unfortunately, sometimes what, what we'll do is we'll say no to the inspiration of our heart. That's, you know, trying mm-hmm. to move us in this beautiful serendipitous way on the chessboard. We'll say no to it because it doesn't match the plans mm-hmm. of our head. And I think a, a terrible, the, the worst possible plan we could ever have is the plan that we dogmatically stick to period. I think, right. you know, the, the, the saying that the head is a, a wonderful servant. I agree. Like, I don't want to live without my head. I don't want to live without the ability to plan. So I think plans are beautiful because they get us going. They help us create momentum. But I think, a, you know, a, a strongly held uh, plan that's held loosely, you know, a strong plan that's held very loosely mm. is ideal because, you know, we're moving in a direction and then this beautiful wisdom of our heart, which I think is our higher self speaking through us biologically, that, mm-hmm. that can come along and inspire a new direction, a, a new angulation, 15 degrees this way. But we, we needed the original plan to, to get to where we're going, yet we've got to sometimes abandon the plan in order mm. to get where our heart wants us to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh some some wisdom right there i feel and like i said i've been a little bit of a slow learner with that one but i'm starting to really get to the point where it's like you know what i'm thinking or something better what i'm thinking or something better you know and just uh sort of uh resonating with that sort of vibration that that energy and it's uh it's definitely leading to some interesting places that i really would not have thought you know several months or years or weeks ago it just seems to like it it seems to be that is the flow state thing that uh you hear about all the time and uh you you need to do a video on if you haven't already making fun of the get in the flow i'm sure yeah, you've actually, had to do something right man uh, weird minds think alike a flow state video is indeed on my list beautiful beautiful i love it well you know i've been accused of being a ginger many times in my life both my both my uh, brother and sister are both gingers and um you know i i think of that anytime i connect with any sort of anyone who's ginger in my delusional mind it's like oh well we're we're related somewhere close by because it is sort of a rare (laughs) phenomenon and even me i don't i don't have red hair but i probably had i don't know a hundred times in my life people say oh yeah well you're a ginger i'm like what no, I'm not. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, I don't know if it's just like an energetic thing or what, because it's all around me. But yeah, so yeah, brilliant, brilliant gingers think alike. Yeah, they, they, can, <laughs> they can sense that you don't have a soul, so they somehow identify you right, as a ginger. Right, right, okay. That makes sense. That's the piece of the puzzle. I'm, it's left me so baffled for so long. Okay, okay. <laughs> So humor, obviously, you know, such an important piece. And I saw a video where you were talking about the balance uh, of bringing humor. And, of course, being someone who acts as a, a teacher and healer and, and playing those roles uh, alongside of this, you know, humorous persona that you have. Um, talk a little bit about that and, you know, the importance of keeping it light. Yeah, you know, I, I think. 
we need both the winter and the summer. They not only help balance uh, each other so that we can have like a, a wonderful place in between, uh, but you know, if if it was summer all the time, man, that. Uh, gingers, get, gingers would be very burnt <laughs> in this metaphor 100 percent. that'd be terrible so gingers would be burnt and like all the plants would would, would die it'd be too much sunlight and it, of course if it's winter all the time like everything freezes and nothing grows so for me humor uh, is it's a beautiful element it's a beautiful season that we need and i think the purpose of humor it's not to get extreme and and laugh about everything all the time you know when i'm at a funeral the last thing i want to do is be laughing and cracking jokes that right. would be humor deflecting from intimacy rather than humor used to create mm. intimacy so i think humor has its time and place and and I think humor is a, a powerful element. I look at humor as an alchemist where uh, it has the potential to help us transform our pain, transform our limiting beliefs. And I think the best way for us to use humor for our personal benefit is take a look at what do we take most seriously and then figure out how we can get amused by it. Mm. How can we amuse ourselves and maybe even make ourselves laugh about that which we take most seriously, uh, mm. that which is most important to us. And the things that are most important to us, typically, we take it very seriously, which is the opposite right. of humor. And I right. think seriousness is really a fear-based consciousness. So, you know, man, if we can do that, I think we're doing pretty good. You know, we don't need to be the Joker on Batman where we just have a personality disorder and we're laughing all the time. But most <laughs> right. of us, most of the time, I think we're pretty, um, man, we're, we're pretty low on the humor, especially when mm. it comes to, um, uh, what's most important to us. So, yeah, I, a lot of my videos are on topics that are very important to me. Uh, some people would think, well, uh, JP, you did a, uh, a video on whatever, how to become gluten intolerant. So, you disrespect that topic. It's like, no, I respect it enough that I want to bring levity to it, that I want to bring an right. alchemist to help uh, uh, break up and transform dogmas and self-righteousness that aren't that topic, but they're human emotions that are attached to that topic. And I, you know, I've been gluten-free for 16 years. So, man, yeah, I don't think, uh, Brandon, I, I've never heard of a person who's gone to their doctor and their doctor says, you actually need to laugh less I was right. bad for your health. How much? There's probably you know, one out there somewhere, some asshole. It could be, but we've got a medication for that that'll help you never laugh again. Right. And so you know, I think humor is so important. I, and in in uh, some people would say, well, I, you know, I, I don't know how to be funny. Well, screw that. You do. I think humor is a human faculty. It, it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you're meant to be a professional comedian, but. Right. It, Humor is a, a faculty. It's a skill that we all have. It really is. And, and I think a, a key to adding more humor into our lives is to walk around with the mantra that says, how can I amuse myself? How can right. I amuse myself? There's so, there's so much that I say that doesn't amuse other people. 
but it amuses me. So I get the benefit of it. And it, and it just so, you know, maybe 10% actually amuses other people. And, and maybe that's what I put into videos or uh, into stage comedy. But if I, if I was never out for kind of commandment number one, amuse thyself, if I wasn't trying to amuse myself and willing to say things for my amusement, then I would never discover the things that also happened to amuse other people. And therefore, I wouldn't have a, you know, a comedy repertoire of videos and uh, stage comedy. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I would say that is as valid a path to enlightenment as any, you know, lightening up, lightening up, right? Quit taking yourself so freaking serious and it's so easy to fall into that. And anytime you do lighten up and you stop taking yourself so seriously, it's so much joy. I mean, to me, I see someone like, you know, the work that you're doing, or I think of Sasha Baron Cohen. You know, when I first saw Borat, I thought, you know, I I can think back to high school and in in my yearbook, everyone's like, you're the funniest person I know. You're the funniest (laughs) person I know. And I've always used humor as a, as a big part of my world. And, you know, uh, and I looked back even years later, you know, Borat comes out and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, could there be anything more joyous than making people laugh and bringing as much as I'm so passionate about, you know, helping to raise, you know, the collective vibration, starting with myself. You know, I always say we teach best what we most need to learn. And I do a lot of that sort of thing on, on the show when I do daily episodes, four days a week and just one interview each week. Um, but it's, uh, it just, to me, it's, it's such a powerful, it's the most powerful. My favorite thing in, in life is laughing and it is, it is the ultimate medicine. I, I agree fully with what you're saying and whoever that asshole doctor out there who says, you know, don't laugh. He des- definitely needs to be disbarred. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think, I think uh, laughter is truly a functional practice of non-attachment. When, when we're laughing at something, it means we're, we're not very attached to it, which is awesome. The Buddha would be very proud of us. When right. we're unable to laugh at something, it means we're very serious about it, which means we're psychologically constricted about it. So we're like very attached. We're the clenched mm. fist psychologically. Right. Right. And when we can, again, especially when we take a look at what's most important to me in my life, and how can I laugh at that? We become less attached to it. We've practiced non-attachment with it. And I, and I don't want to put bo- words in Buddha's mouth, but I will because everybody else does. I <laughs> yeah, think, there's <laughs> a lot of memes out there with things man, he may or may not have said. And mostly <laughs> probably on the may not side. But, <laughs> right. you know, the, the Buddha said, be non-attached. He didn't say, be non-attached to crap that doesn't matter. I, right. I think the message is even the things that are most important to us, be non-attached to even those. Right. And I think, honestly, the relationship we have with those things, the people or the philosophies, the ideas, we become more respectful of those things when we're less attached to them. Mm. And I think they serve us better rather than us serving them. Right. Right. Yoda, the wise master Yoda said pretty much the same thing. Train yourself to to lose everything that you fear to lose or something along those lines. And uh, <laughs> I agree 110% with that whole premise. 
So let's talk a little bit about your book, 12 and a Half Steps to Spiritual Superiority, How to Be Ultra Spiritual, the name of the book. I love, you know, I always kind of giggle a little bit at all the coaching stuff out there. You know, I've yeah. been, uh, I've, I've, you know, been an entrepreneur my whole life and had sales organizations and, and had been blessed to have some, you know, sizable success in, in the business world. And when I approached this podcast, it was the first time in my life I sort of approached it from, okay, this is sort of sacred to me and I'm not trying to just see how, what's the angle I can make money really quick. And yeah. I, I sort of, you know, and I, not that there's anything wrong at all. I know we live in a monetary based economy. People have to make a living and there's a lot of people out there teaching and that is their primary income. But I see so many of these, you know, here's my five steps, my seven steps. Yeah. So how to be ultra spiritual, 12 and a half steps to spiritual superiority. It's my satirical take on the spiritual new age culture. And, and I think part of the new age culture is certainly the entrepreneurship that you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> right. So of course, in the title of the book is a play on how everybody has like three easy steps to making all the money you'll ever need in the world. Right. <laughs> Even though that just means now you're into my funnel and now I'll start squeezing you for real, real money <laughs> after I've gotten you into my free ebook. That's <laughs> right. Four, four pages of size 50 font. So yeah, you know, it, it, the, the book was truly my, my, um, my practice of non-attachment. Uh, with my spirituality as well as my ego egotism around it, my dogmas around it, shining the light on my ridiculous stuff I've been doing over the years, psychologically and behaviorally in my spiritual practice, but hiding it in my spiritual practice uh, so that it can be a, a, a essentially a, in a in an altruistic hiding spot. So, yeah, with the book, I uh, I had a lot of fun. It was a beautiful creative endeavor where, you know, with a normal video, like a four or five minute video I'm making, you know, you go five minutes deep into creativity and I love it. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. But with the book, it's, it's a m much different vertical dimension uh, that of creativity that I went in and it's so satisfying. And, you know, in the entrepreneurship culture, I'm probably supposed to make up a bunch of pain points that the book is going to solve for people. I don't know all the <laughs> right. problem in your life in the books. Well, you know, not really the, the book, it will hopefully give you a lot of laughs, a lot of amusement, and maybe secondarily, maybe even primarily, I, uh, it, it'll help you be, um, uh, more willing to let go of things that don't serve you anymore. It'll hopefully help you take a look at yourself and not take you and yourself so seriously. Beautiful. When, when did you, when did you start the ultra spiritual videos and, and when did the book come out by the way? Yeah. The, the first ultra spiritual video was published October 5th. 2014 okay. so a little over three years ago and the the book the book came out uh let's see march of 2017 and and i started writing the book after the um <clears throat> well what what the hell was the timeline i started writing the book probably nine months after i had started the videos gotcha so it's yeah it's it's 
a huge undertaking. I actually started a book just before I launched this podcast about the same time, uh, almost three years ago in, in May, I believe it'll be three years. And uh, I had started a book before that. And, you know, I got to all, 95% done and thought, you know what? I don't have any audience to push this out to. And, you know, at the time, yeah. the, the idea for the podcast was gestating anyway. And so, yeah, so I may or may not release the book one day, but, uh, you know, the one thing, it, it definitely was a uh, a very intense, and I actually had a help help from a, a co-writer working on it. So that, that helped to ease a, a lot of the pain for me. I love writing, but it's, uh, it's, you know, I can be so anal about, uh, you know, my words and, and it's, that's part of the reason I leaned more towards this type of a format because I can just sort of freestyle whatever comes out sure. and it may not be grammatically correct. It may not, you know, there'll be a lot of ums and buts and, and pauses in there, but, uh, it's, yeah, getting a book out is quite the undertaking. So I applaud you for that. And uh, do you do you plan to continue uh, a writing journey, or don't really know? Yeah, I do. You know, it, it's it's not going to be like my primary thing. At least that's my plan. But well, you you know how my plans go at this point. Uh, but <laughs> right. I do I do have a, a next book idea uh, that I, I've already talked to my publisher about they're on board and then it's just a matter of uh when when can i begin prioritizing work on it and and you know i look at the way i look at a book from a business perspective is that it's basically not a business undertaking for me the amount of time energy effort that goes into writing the book then let alone, then you get to the promotional side of the book. It, it is just a, a, a terrible business endeavor. Unless you, right. you hit it big, you become, you know, uh, you just Brene Browner, which is great. But, you know, for the amount of books that most people sell, I think it's got to be a passion project. It's a, it's a right. project like with my first book, you know, I, I looked at it. When I was done writing it, and I could legitimately say that if nobody ever reads this, it was worth the journey for me mm. to write it. And I, I truly stand behind it. And I need to be in that place for my next book where I, like, I don't want to lean on it like this book better mm -hmm. generate me more income or this amount or of income. The, living under the bridge. Yes. <laughs> it, I, it, and I think the book uh, I think any author's books come out much better when they, they're truly an inspirational passion project of their heart, not a, a pawn in some kind of a business chess game. Mm. I'm so with you on that, man. I, I, I often talk about this very topic, having, um, you know, originally moved from the East Coast to California to make it in my with my band. And, uh, you know, a cre any creative endeavor, I feel like you need to be doing it for the passion of doing it. And I, I look back yeah. on that now, all these years later, and it was such so much fun in the early stages, in the early days. And then it turned into, you know, our bass player's brother was in no doubt. And we were playing with all these big bands that went on to be huge, you know, and and we got to the point where it was no longer fun and it was all about making it big right yeah. and i feel like it, that writing is right there with it you know same thing with my book uh you know it's sitting on a shelf right now and if it never goes anywhere it was a wonderful exercise if i if i decide you know i want to put something else out or not at all whatever i do and it's um 
yeah, I think that's such a key takeaway for anyone, whether you're going to start a podcast, you're going to start making comedic videos, you're going to YouTube channel, a book, whatever it is, do it just the same way you approached it from your uh, ultra spiritual videos, right? You had no idea what would unlock there. And, you know, I always say if you can do something and one person benefits and that person is you and you feel creatively fulfilled, that's the primary reason and, and, you know, make the rest of it secondary and just see what happens. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think when we can be in that space of being passionate and inspired behind a given project, then when we when and if we offer that to the world, whether it's one person or a thousand people or a million, there is inherently way more value in that project that we're offering because it came from a very valuable place, our heart. And it's Mm -hmm. laced with the currency of inspiration and passion. Now, I think when projects are put out to the world that come from a place of strategy, not Mm -hmm. inspiration and passion, but strategy, they unto themselves don't necessarily offer value to the person. They might be a strategy engineered to extract value from that person. Like, let me do this thing to get money from that person. So inherently, mm-hmm. and there might be great value in the project, but not necessarily. It, 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 mm-hmm. uh, but I think when we can come from the artist's place of passion, it's like, man, what we offer the world, it will just accidentally be laced with value because it came from a priceless place, our heart, not our strategic minds thing. How can I use this to manipulate people to give me what they want? Not that that kind of strategy is necessarily a bad thing or necessarily a good thing, but it's a strategy that doesn't offer people inherent value, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's imbued with a certain energy, right? Everything is and everything I believe is going to be a reflection of the energy that it was created with, like cooking, you know, cooking uh, a meal, right? What what you put into it is what you're getting out. And so if you're wanting to get out that true, you know, sincere value, it's going to come from a inspired, uh, authentic place, right? Yeah. So I 100% agree. All right. Well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting this podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting the show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. Just to give you an example, on the show Missing Links, the incredible researcher Greg Braden explores all the biggest questions concerning who we are, where we come from, where we're going, by connecting the missing links between science and spirituality to complete our understanding of humanity's history and to better understand the interconnectedness of all things. Awesome, right? And that's just one example. As you guys constantly hear me say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. 
So let's talk a little bit about your healing work uh, in, you know, the more, the more serious side of JP, uh, helping people, you know, with, uh, you know, emotional, uh, emotional healing and so forth. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that path. Yeah, you know, that path, <laughs> I'm, I've been on that path uh, because I needed it. I, you know, my original desire to start helping people with emotional healing work was, you know, I was already in the alternative health space, personal training, helping people with nutrition. So stress reduction and emotional work was just sort of like a, you know, I was already in that realm. So easy to learn about it and get excited about it. But more, more, a more important driver than that was I was desperately in need of emotional work myself. I mean, just like you, Brandon, I tend to want to teach what I need to learn the most. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had no idea until I started getting into my own self work because I was motivated to work with other people. But of course, like, man, you got to do your own work or else you have no business working with other people in this. So I started, like, I was just blown away. Like, wow, I had no idea how severely emotionally numb and disconnected I've been. Like, yeah, I haven't cried for eight years. And I thought that meant like, I don't cry because I'm strong and stable. And now like the infrastructure of the world, as I thought it was, it's being shattered. It's like, no, uh, now I'm realizing it's not because I'm strong and stable. It's because I'm weak and unstable. That's why I've never cried in the past eight years. So, yeah, I, I, I was very fortunate to uh, connect with a, a man. He was a very powerful mentor, became my personal coach, and, and I still do work with him. And I'm grateful to call him a very dear friend and brother to this day. So this man named John McMullen. And my beginning, back in my early 20s, my work with him just really changed my life because it helped me start connecting with my heart, helped me start healing my wounds, helped me stop playing it so small in my life, and uh, simultaneously gave me what I consider to be great skills at coaching other people to help them help themselves heal their pain that holds them back, find their issues that they're blind to. Right. Wonderful. Oh, and, and, and just last thing I'll say on that, the it was a, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I finally gave up my one-on-one client practice. I just, life had been getting so busy with other opportunities that felt very purpose, pur- very purposeful to entertain that I was just called, like as much as I didn't want to, I was called like give up the one-on-one client practice. And, and, and that's been that was scary, but it's been a beautiful full circle where now a lot of that one-on-one client practice, sincere energy has been directed into uh, my new membership community where I help people live more meaningful lives while having fun doing it. So I'm able to reach more help impact people's uh, yeah, reach, reach more people to impact more hearts rather than just one heart per hour. Uh, like I was doing in my client practice. Right, right, right. Let's talk about that. Get woke, right? Oh, yeah. My membership program, Awaken with JP Premium AF. Yeah, helping people get <laughs> I <love> woke. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So if, if 
can you can you explain a little bit about how that works and if people are interested in in participating what they can expect <laughs> Sure, sure. So, you know, people get more access to me. I do, uh, I do one episode a week and it's private for the community. And we've got a private uh, forum for the community where everybody can interact with each other, post their homework. And uh, each lesson is comprised of a perspective and a practice that has been impactful in my life and the lives of my private clients. And uh, along with that, you know, I'll tell you, Brandon, I've developed an allergy to over seriousness in the self growth <laughs> space. So, uh, what I don't do uh, in the membership community with the episodes is come from a very precious, serious place. I want to come from an authentic place, which is I'm going to be sincere as hell with you. I, I, I want to really impact your life. That's what I'm here to do. And I want you and I to have fun while we do it. Right. So uh, that, that's what I bring with the membership episodes. Look at you being all balanced. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for buying into my uh, uh, brainwashing Sold. to make Sold. you think I'm balanced. That's good. Sold to the man with nothing to lose. <laughs> so, can you give us a glimpse into some of the things that you talk about? I mean, you know, obviously for people who are interested, they can go and it's uh, awakenwithjp.com, correct? Is the site where they can yeah. sign up for that. And yeah. um, But, you know, for those who won't do that, what are, what is the, you know, the, the quick uh, three steps, if you will, or, or something that you just feel called to share that you feel like is a, is a common theme you see that is holding people back that you might be able to, you know, shine the light of perspective on that, that will help, uh, unhinge some of those blockages for people. Yeah, I think here's my delusional opinion. The absolute first thing that I see holds people back most common, commonly is an unwillingness to fully feel their feelings. So if mm. we flip that, we've got the solution. So if you want to go beyond where you're stuck psychologically or in your relationships or in your internal life or business, I would highly recommend you take up the practice of feeling your freaking feelings. Mm. Make it a practice. Because I, I think what happens is we get in an avoidance posture with our feelings. Right. We take on the mindset and I get it. I, I've had that mindset. Part of me still does. It's a survival oriented mindset that says if something's uncomfortable, it's bad for you. Avoid it. Mm. So we start trying to avoid the things that feel uncomfortable in us. Guess what? Those are our feelings. So then we start avoiding circumstances, things, and adventures on the outside that would trigger those feelings in order to right. further avoid those feelings. So, one of my biggest core values is lean in towards discomfort. Go towards mm. discomfort. And that's not some big, some abstract, fancy thing. It's incredibly practical. Deliberate, if we get in the practice of deliberately going towards discomfort inside of yourselves, feeling your feelings, I think mm. it is the number one key to success. A willingness to feel uncomfortable. I think mm. Brene Brown says it wonderfully. By the way, I'm just I'm describing vulnerability, just trying to make it sound more practical. But Brene <laughs> right. Brown says it 
I think beautifully, she says, he or she who's willing to be the most uncomfortable is not only the bravest, but rises the highest. Oh, I love so that. to me, that that's so important. And I think uh, one other key I'll throw at you, in my opinion, of helping uh, go beyond where, where we're stuck is don't ask what, but ask who. And don't, mm. and most, don't ask how, but ask mm-hmm. who. How, how mm. do I get unstuck? How do I start this business that I don't know how to start? How do I do this thing I don't know how to do? If we start asking who, now we get into the fast exponential energy of scaling. Because mm. guess what? There are people out there where the, the how that we don't know, that's their mm-hmm. genius. It's not some right. un, some clumsy skill that we've never touched and is probably outside the wheelhouse of what lights us up inside. But if we're willing to actually connect with other people, I think that can exponentially accelerate us in mm. our lives. And, and oftentimes our sticking points are because we're dwelling on the how mm. rather than asking the, the who. And I think the how, that is a very slow, linear path. And, you know, that, that needs to be an option. It's a, a tool in the toolbox. We need to ask how sometimes. But a lot of times, we got to surrender the how and start mm. asking who. I think, I think coming from our heart means we're coming from a place of connection. And the who is a very heart-oriented, very connected question mm. to ask. The how, mm. that's, in my opinion, a very linear thought, head-oriented question. So, right. I think we really start engaging the exponential power of our heart through the question of who. Wow, that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. And it it sort of goes what we were talking about earlier, uh, f- flowing more than, you know, trying to figure out all the angles yourself, following yeah. the heart and letting it take you. And, you know, I, I think of uh, with what you were just saying, I also think of Eleanor Roosevelt, who said something paraphrasing to the effect of, you know, do something every day that makes you feel uncomfortable. And oh, also those that. things that you lean into that are, are you're talking about that make you uncomfortable, I believe, and I always talk about this, you know, on the show is those lumps of coal are diamonds in disguise. And once you yeah. face them, you f- you transmute them and you find a gift hiding underneath it all. Would you agree with that? I mean, 100%. I think that's a beautiful metaphor. And, and I think it's also very similar to going to the gym. You know, right. especially if someone's not used to going to the gym, they go in, they lift weights for an hour, and the whole damn thing's uncomfortable. It, it really right. is. There's just nothing pleasant. You feel the lactic <laughs> right. acid, and you probably also feel humiliated. Like, oh, I'm lifting the guy the next lightest. to you who's like <laughs> lifting, could lift you like with one pinky. Yeah. <laughs> you're struggling with the barbell. <laughs> <laughs> but just like you were saying, if we stay consistent with do that uncomfortable thing every day, in this case, going to the gym. After a month, we start to experience a trans, uh, the transmutation where, wow, going to the gym, you know, uh, now I actually, I, I feel good after it. Like it's picking my mood up. I get a little dopamine hit. I feel a sense of accomplishment. The, so it's not just uncomfortable. Then another month goes by and we start to notice like, man, you know, I'm, 
I, I'm getting slimmer, a little more defined. And what the heck? I'm starting to add some muscle. We start to notice our relationship with being uncomfortable consistently is giving us a beautiful gift. It's a diamond. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, now, another thing that just kind of comes to mind in this uh, journey to self self awareness and, and becoming the next, you know, greatest and grandest version of ourself is the, the concept of vulnerability. Uh, and it almost seems like another great video idea if you haven't done it. Like, you know, you hear a lot. It's a big buzz these days about the idea of being vulnerable, right? Becoming really yeah. vulnerable and, and opening yourself and how much how, you know, slow we are to do that but when people do it and it seems more and more are getting you know being brave enough to be really transparent and vulnerable about things it seems to have many many gifts many diamonds behind it uh what do you think about that whole concept yeah i think true vulnerability is probably the most courageous form of eleanor roosevelt's quote of do something uncomfortable every day like I, I start my days off with a cold shower and it's, it's less about like, I think that's going to improve my health. And it's more about, it's a psychological training tool to mm. train me towards discomfort. Uh, but you know, it doesn't take too much courage to go into a cold shower. It takes a hell of a lot of courage to go into the breed of uncomfortability that is true vulnerability. So I think, I think uh, vulnerability is a hot topic today because it needs to be. I think it's been too many years that it hasn't been uh, an important topic of conversation, an important aim. And, you know, vulnerability, it's a thankless aim. Nobody right. will ever thank us for how vulnerable we are unless we actually thank ourselves for it. And, right. and I think vulnerability... I would never glorify it and just say like, it's amazing. Like do it. It's all roses. Like, <laughs> right. no, it's, uh, it's, it's extreme discomfort at times. However, right. the payoff is we get more in touch with our heart. We get more in touch with the ability to feel fulfilled inside. We Connect get with more others. in touch. And that, man, that's a huge payoff. The genuine ability to be connected with others, not companionship mm-hmm. where it's like, man, we're in the same room. Look at us. We're connected. Well, I don't know that we're connected. We're right. sharing time and space. But unless we're actually able to be vulnerable and in and, and being vulnerable, we can't trick it. We can't like, let's do vulnerability. Let's, let's talk right. about things that are vulnerable. Like, well, sometimes that's a part of it. But I think vulnerability, it's a state of heart. It's a vibration. Mm. It's where we're at inside. And, right. and if we're not in that place with another person, then I don't know that we can be really connected with them. And I think being truly connected with other people, not codependently, I think codependence is actually a severe form of disconnection. But when we are truly connected with other people, that is one of the most priceless, fulfilling experiences we can have in life. Yeah, well said, man. Well said. So, 
I always switch gears just a little bit here, and uh, I normally give people heads up on this, and, and maybe my booking manager, Erica, did when uh, she we, we first reached out to you. Um, I, I love hearing stories of synchronicity or serendipity or positive paranormal stories. Anything, uh, the more woo-woo, the better. Uh, anything good like that up your sleeve that comes to mind? You know, a couple of things come to my mind, and I don't know that it'll be the most, in fact, I don't think it will be the most mind-blowing synchronicity story. <laughs> it's funny, instinctively, two. part of me want, yeah, part, <laughs> it'll definitely be, but I find I'm so delusional, like part of me instinctively wants to be competitively synchronistic, like I just right. better be the mo- most mind-blowing. <laughs> Another <laughs> video. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. But, yeah, what was it? Um, uh, last spring. I was in Encinitas, California. I was co-teaching a weekend workshop with two great friends of mine. And uh, we were doing the workshop in, in the, the back auditorium area of this vegan cafe. So before the workshop began on that Sunday, we were, uh, uh, me and my couple friends I was teaching it with, we were in the front of the cafe and um, just having a cup of coffee and uh, my one from Brandon Hawk, he had a friend of his in town, and he said, hey, you know, my friend, uh, he and his wife would just really love to meet you. They love your videos. Uh, do you have a second? And it's like, you know, part of me is like, ah, I've got my mind on the workshop, and there's a lot going on. But yeah, okay. So, you know, I met this guy, Tyler, and his wife, and they're like, cool, they're beautiful people. It was a five-minute conversation. and. Looking back, I'm incredibly grateful for it because now Tyler, that man I met in the cafe, he's my business partner on my membership program. You know, he's my who. When I was asking, like, how do I create this membership program? Like, I've got content. I've got, like, I can do my thing. But the back-end infrastructure and implementing the program, like, that's a whole wheelhouse that I don't know how to do. So, when I stopped asking how and started asking who, mm. uh, you know, my friend Brandon said, well, Tyler, who you met, like, you know, he, he that's what he does. Mm. And uh, if, like, let me text you guys, connect you. So, that synchronicity of saying yes to, uh, yeah, let me, let me meet him. I'm busy now, but let me say hi to him and his wife. It turned out to be a beautiful synchronicity because, you know, here I am, my membership program. It is absolutely a passion project of my heart. I mean, I put my heart and soul into this. It's one of the most meaningful things that I do, and I wouldn't be able to do it without my partner in crime in at Tyler Ward. So, and I'm very grateful for that synchronicity. I love that. It's, um, it's a great example of saying, you know, when we say yes to things, it opens up so many doors. When we say no, yeah. we sort of know what we're going to get, right? And it doesn't mean you're going to say yes <laughs> yeah. and some magical relationship is going to unfold, but it's, it's, it's saying yes to the possibility of yeah. uh, meaningful encounters and, and you know, uh, serendipitous um, interactions that we really don't ultimately know where they, they lead, right? Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Well, we're getting down to it here, JP. This has been 
so fascinating. You truly are, you know, I didn't know 110% what to expect, but you really are a, a quite the wise soul. I know I picked up so much amazing um, insight from you. And uh, it definitely, it makes me, getting to know this other part of you makes me appreciate the, uh, you know, ultra spiritual videos even more. So I really, really applaud you and the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. I do have um, one last question, though, I would like to leave you with. I always uh, predictably open with the same question and end with the same question. Um, what is the meaning of life according, in 60 seconds or less, meaning of life according to J.P. Sears? I would say to, uh, to live as ourselves unapologetically. And when I say live as ourselves. I don't mean like know who you are. It's like, yeah, who we are is probably beyond the mental comprehension of knowing. But I think living unapologetically as ourselves means we're following our heart. It means we don't know what the hell we're doing almost all of the time, but we're taking action anyway. So, you know, I don't think the purpose of life, I don't think the meaning of life is to go searching for the meaning of life, because I think that can actually distract us from living our lives. I think we're in a three-dimensional body for a reason. I think it's because we're meant to use it. And I think living our lives three-dimensionally is not only how we express who we are, it's how we discover and embody who we really are. So, man, unapologetically living our life, I think, is a meaning of life that I like anyway. Beautifully said, my friend. You are an amazing man. JP, thank you so much for coming on and connecting. I truly appreciate you. Oh, you're super welcome, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on, brother. All right, my friend. Journey well. And you too. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting, uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.